Hi, and welcome to Mavericks Radio. I'm your host, Christian Roy, and this is the place to be to become your best self, do work you love, and live life on your terms. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us, people who play to their strengths, follow the heart, and do their best to create positive impact. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to give you the clarity, courage, and confidence to carve your own path through life. This week, we speak to Tom Mullin, author, entrepreneur, and founder of the small business community, What Works. She gives us an insight into what really motivates her. I'm awake at night, right? Thinking about mm. like how I can empower these people, how I can provide the tools that they need to do this thing that I believe they can do. That's why I do what I do. That informs the goals that I set. It informs the identity that I want to have as a leader, as a CEO, as a founder. She also shares how she balances her life and her schedule. I only take calls on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So some time blocking there. I suppose that's a time management hack, but it's some time blocking. Um, and But that what that does is leave a lot of my schedule really open-ended. And so mm. some days, sure, I'm working like an eight to five kind of schedule. And sometimes I'm, you know, just kind of banging stuff out on my to-do list throughout those days. But most of the time, that kind of open-ended space is more there for me to identify what's important that day or that week mm-hmm. and tackle that in a much bigger way. So, hey, Mavericks, welcome to the Make Your Own Rules podcast uh, with Mavericks Unlimited. Today, we have a very special guest on, all the way from the USA, we have Tara McMullen on here. Hi, Tara, how are you? I am great. How are you? I am brilliant. I'm absolutely brilliant. And it's a lovely afternoon here. And you, we were just saying, last day of summer there, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, not a bad thing, not a bad thing. For here we come. So, Mavericks, Tara is a real maverick in her own right. She has an amazing story to tell. And she's also got some really interesting points that I know will really resonate with a lot of you around kind of the person that you are in business. So, Tara, first of all, just tell us, what does the word maverick mean to you? Mm, The word maverick, I think means kind of following your own North Star Mm -hmm. Um, instead of doing what you should be doing, doing what everyone expects of you, doing what uh, you even maybe have learned uh, to think is the right way, the right path, the right uh, set of guidelines for living your best life. It means really tuning in to what's true for you, what your values are, how you want to be remembered, the kind of life that you personally want to live, and going after that and making that a reality. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's a lot easier said than done. Um, I think that it it's, you know, it's incredibly difficult to be constantly on the lookout for where am I falling into common expectations, conventional wisdom, and where am I actually prioritizing what's important to me, what's valuable to me, what I want. Um, But I think that that's sort of, that's the path of the maverick. That's the path of the person who is um, ready to show up and live life on their own terms. And I think that that's a, I think it's a really, it's a, it's a path worth forging for yourself. So it may be difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's also incredibly worth it. You know what, Tara? You could have written our branding material. <laughs> it's brilliant. Our definition of a maverick is someone, a true hard, authentic individual, using their superpowers, making their impact, living life on their terms. So I absolutely love that. And, you know, what I, what I love about that is I know that part of this has been forged out of your own experience your, and your own journey. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your 
your journey and how you've got to where you are now. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I think like a lot of people um, throughout my childhood, throughout my teenage years, throughout my early adulthood, I was trying to live a story that other people had told. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a story that I had kind of integrated into what I was supposed to do and who I was supposed to be and, and what would make me successful and happy. Um, and my story and the story that I had kind of kind of grasped onto might not be the same as everyone else's story. Story. You know, I was really fixated on, um, you know, being uh, an academic and, and going Ooh. to school for as long as possible and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, the, and following kind of that passion of what floated my boat in terms right. of my brain and my heart. And those, obviously, those things aren't bad things. But what I figured out on this path toward becoming a professor and, and studying the things that I really love to study was that I didn't actually know if this is what I wanted or right. if was just a story that I had been told my whole life and that I had started to tell myself. Um, and so through both some, a process of recognizing this and becoming aware of that and also some, some actual mental health issues uh, mm. around that time. So we're talking, I was about 23, 24, 25 when this was all going on. Mm. I realized that I really needed to figure something different out for myself. I needed to create right. Thing new. And so I kind of got off the story of becoming an academic. I got off the story of, you know, just doing the best at the job that I had then. And I started making my own story. I started making decisions for mm. myself. You know, what would it look like if I could work from home and be a stay-at-home mom at the same right. time? What would it look like if I could apply my skills in ways that I hadn't applied my skills before? What would it look like to work independently with organizations instead of having mm. a job? And so I started asking myself all these questions and I could, I could see that there were plenty of other people who were making it work in really right. interesting ways. And I thought to myself, well, if they can do it, surely I can do it. So clearly at this time, I was also not lacking confidence. Um, <laughs> you know, but so I, I started taking a kind of imperfect action at that point. And I would say that the things that I, were do that I was doing at the time weren't necessarily like the, my truest, bestest self. They weren't right. necessarily the highest form of expression of who I was, what my skills were, and what I really Ooh. wanted to be doing, but they were something, right? And right, so I right. creating a path, creating a life um, based on my own decisions and based on a, a story that I was writing instead of a story that I had been told. Um, that. And that's how I started to get onto this path of becoming an entrepreneur, becoming a business owner, and really looking to explore what was possible for me. Because I had, Ooh. in addition Ooh. to having a story about what my path should be. I had a story about what was possible for me. I had a story oh. about how much money I could ever hope to earn. And let me tell you, it was not very much money. <laughs> <laughs> about um, the kinds of professions that were open to me. I had a story about the kind of house that I would have or the kind of family that I would have. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that I was operating underneath this of this story. But once right. I started to rewrite things, little by little, each detail in that original story became glaringly obvious. And I was able to take action that allowed me to rewrite it. And so then over the last 10 years that I've been in business for myself, it's really been a process just continually consciously writing that story. And then, you know, 
in all honesty, recognizing when I fall into other people's stories or when I fall into mm. conventional wisdom and taking a step back, taking imperfect action again and starting to rewrite things. So that's kind of a long-winded, not very detailed way of, of <laughs> talking about what my Maverick journey is. But to me, that's that's been sort of the crux of this last decade of small business ownership is this constant evolution of what my story is and the constant mm. imperfect action to write a story that I can be really proud of. Mm, I love that. And I, I love the uh, the imperfect action thing. I mean, what's that old saying of, you know, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction, as yes. it were. And so there's almost this kind of thing of, it's not, uh, there's not a path you're trying to discern per se, you're actually creating the path as you go. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm guessing that along the way, there have been lots of learnings and lots of experiences and some, as you say, sometimes we fall on our ass and, you know, so on and so forth. So what have been some of the, the big learnings of the last 10 years of your entrepreneur journey, as it were? Oh, man, so many learnings. Um, I mean, I think the first one is definitely around earning potential. Um, that was sort of the, the biggest initial hurdle that I had to jump over because mm. when I was, you know, out of college and working a job, job, like not even, I was not starting a career. I was just working a job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the only thing that I was qualified for at that point. Right. Uh, in that job, uh, I was not earning a lot. I was working 50 to 60 hour weeks, managing a $5 million store, making $28,000 a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so that, that taught me a lot about what I was worth. I was taught that I was worth, you know, about $30,000 a year and that my oh, time right. was worth, you know, about $11 an hour. And for as much as I might've hated that and as much as I mm -hmm. resented that story, that story became really integrated into the way I initially started to set up my business. Right, I right. assumed that, you know, if I was going for earning $40,000 a year that I was really stretching it, right? Like I was really wow. for a goal. And what I realized was that because that seemed like such a stretch, my business was very much set up to make that and absolutely nothing more possible. And I was going to have to work my butt off to even, you know, achieve that bit mm. of what felt like a stretch. Um, and so luckily I had some amazing friends at the time who spotted this story that I was telling myself about how much I could earn and how much I was worth, started to show me some very clear evidence that that was not helpful <laughs> and, <laughs> and that it wasn't even realistic, you know, that, that realistically the work that I was doing should earn this much and you could charge that much. And here, if you just package things a little bit differently, you could 10x your earnings. Like, oh my goodness. Okay. I see this now. Right. Um, but it took a long time to rework that story and to get really comfortable saying, no, I decide how much I'm going to make. No one else dictates that to me. I can say, this is what I want to earn. I'm going to create the, the products, the services, the company that's going to allow mm. me to create that. And that's going to be then my North Star. That's going to be the thing that shows Ooh. me how my business needs to get set up. So that was one hurdle. 
But I think that that then taught me other lessons in terms of how I set goals also. So I think a lot of times um, what's really natural to the way we set goals is that we kind of see, well, this is what we've done in the past. So I'm just going to push a little bit harder and I'm going to uh, get just a little bit further this next time. Right, right. right. Accomplish a little bit more. And what I have learned over the last 10 years is that that's really unhelpful (laughs) because it doesn't (laughs) actually change the way I behave. And the way I behave, the way I set things up, the way I get organized, the way I structure things, that is what dictates what I can accomplish. And so if I want to accomplish something more, if I want to accomplish something different, I better set a goal that's going to change how I behave, how I structure things, how I Right, right. And so very similarly to how I figured out, well, I need to dictate how much money I'm going to earn, how much revenue my company is going to, to generate. I need to do the exact same thing with all the other kinds of goals that I have as well. If I want to run a 10-person team, for instance, I'm going to set that as a goal and I'm going to figure out how my behavior needs to change, how the structure of my business needs to change, how I organize things, how that needs to change, and kind of reverse engineer how I'm going to hit that goal. Um, And really, the same thing goes for any aspect of my business that I want to change, that I want to accomplish something new in, or in my personal life as well. I mean, I use the same kind of goal-setting structure in my personal life. And that has been a huge learning and a huge evolution of of how I do things in my business that's really paid dividends. I absolutely love that. It's not just changing your behavior, is it? It's changing your thinking as well. Like an analogy we often use uh, that came from one of my mentors is, you know, there's a certain way you might climb over a six foot fence, but then you can do the same thought exercise with how would you kind of get over a hundred foot fence, for example. Would the strategies that get you over the hundred foot fence still get you over the six foot fence? Well, of course they would, but you're going to have so much more capacity and capability thinking the other way. So I, I love that. I guess that one of the questions I have as a, as a kind of follow-up for that is obviously there are going to be times that creates a tension between the outcome you're striving for and who it's requiring you to be mm-hmm. and where you're at right now. But sometimes I'm guessing that gap might be might feel like it's too big or so on. So how have you resolved that tension? Maybe, I don't know if you've got a specific example you could give us. Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Um, And I think that even really just where my business is right now is sort of the specific example of Mm. of my answer to this question. And that is, we made a big pivot uh, about two years ago where I stopped doing business coaching, I stopped doing business training, and we focused exclusively on building a platform for small business owners to work together to to solve their problems, overcome their daily obstacles, things like that. It's Mm. called commercial. And building that has required a completely different skill set and a completely different identity for me. Mm. Um, And and I'm really glad that you brought up that when we set those much bigger goals, those bigger goals require us to become someone new. It requires us to take on a new identity. And I think that the key in resolving this creative tension is to start to step into that identity before you've achieved that goal and Mm. be that person who's working on the problems that you have now. (laughs) Right? Right, right, right. So a lot of times people think, well, I'm going to become that person once I've achieved that goal right? So once I hit the million dollar mark in my business, then I'm going to be the million dollar business owner. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to become the million dollar business owner 
now, now to be, right. to create the million dollar business. So I have to, when I'm thinking about like building out a community of 10,000 people, which is our goal, you know, our kind of our big, hairy, audacious goal right now. Mm. Um, I have to think like the leader, the manager, the, the CEO that manages a company that runs that, that holds space for 10,000 small businesses. Right, right, and right. with that mindset, I have to tackle the, the problems that we have right now because we have, we have problems. I have sales problems. I have marketing problems. I have operational problems. Like we have a great business and also I have a lot of problems. Right, right. right. That's business, right? That's business. Exactly. So as the leader of that business, I need to be thinking from the perspective of someone who is building that company, building that community, Mm. instead of the person who has a, a phenomenal community of 800 members, right? Right, right, right. Being that person does not help me now. It might have helped me five years ago, for sure. Mm, It's mm. not going to help me right now. I need to tackle our sales problem, our marketing problem, whatever it might be, from the perspective of someone who's already, you know, who has that big, hairy, audacious goal in mind, that vision in Mm. mind. And who believes in herself enough to know that that's possible and that I'm capable of being the leader of that kind of company, then I can tackle my problems now. So that's, I don't know that it's about resolving the creative tension, but instead allowing that tension to exist, but tackling the source of the tension in a new, from a new identity as a new person. And I, you know, I'm the kind of person who I'm constantly becoming something, somebody new. And I think most of us are constantly becoming something new. It's, it's sort of like the, the Carol Dweck uh, growth mindset idea. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If we believe that we are constantly learning new things, that we're constantly expanding our potential and our, our capacity for growth, Mm. then I have to believe that I'm constantly becoming someone new as well. And if I don't decide who I'm becoming based on the goals that I have and the things that I want to create, the vision that I have, then I could be, end up com- becoming someone I don't want to become, right? Right, right, and, right. And so I'm constantly coming back to who is it that I'm becoming right now? How can I take on that identity sooner than later? And how does that impact the way I solve the challenges? that we have now yeah 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 absolutely i guess the the one question we haven't tackled it with you've talked about like the what and the how and the who uh, and i guess you know earlier on when you're talking about the maverick it's kind of that thing of are you following your own set of rules or are you falling into conventional thinking mm. so i guess the thing the thing i'm kind of curious about is where does the why fit in for you i think the why is the foundation of everything. And that when you get detached from why you're doing what you're doing, why you're becoming the person that you're becoming, why you've set the goals that you've set, that's when things go off the rails. So there's a difference between saying, I have a vision for building a platform for 10,000 small business owners to work together in or Mm -hmm. on. There's a difference between saying that's my vision and here's why I'm doing it. Why I'm doing it is because I believe in this generation of small business owners changing our culture, changing our society to make it more equitable, to make it more compassionate, to make it more kind. That's why I do what I do. I love that. (laughs) Thanks. It's why 
I, I am awake at night, right? Thinking about mm. like how I can empower these people, how I can provide the tools that they need to do this thing that I believe they can do. That's why I do what I do. That informs the goals that I set. It informs the identity that I want to have as a leader, as a CEO, as a founder. It is the foundation for everything. Mm, mm, mm. And what I really hear there is, you know, it, it, when, when you're talking about kind of creating a, um, a, a platform or a community of 10,000, you know, it's very easy for us to get into kind of business metrics and it can, you know, it can sound very, um, I don't know, businessy. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you kind of start talking about the why, and of course we know that to really enroll people, it's about, you know, it's that emotional thing, isn't it? When you start talking about, you know, equity, compassion, kindness, that kind of thing, that's a whole different conversation as well. It's just, yeah. it, I mean, it sent, that sent shivers down my spine, which I, which I love. So a couple of things I kind of want to, want to pick up on. You've written several books and what I'm really hearing is so much of, your wisdom and it is wisdom comes out of your own practical experience as it were so two topics that i want to kind of pick up on is first of all you run a podcast called what works mm -hmm. which is all about the uh what works in running a small business but then also um the, the power of quiet so let, let's dive into the the power of quiet because that's been sure. quite a topic that's been coming up for me with my clients recently so I think, you know, in the West, certainly in America, in the UK, there's kind of a bit of a stereotype that to be successful in business, you need to be outgoing, you need to be loud. And we, but we know there've been things like the introvert advantage that's come out. That's a manifestation of it. But tell us about your, your take on what quiet power is and where it's come from for you. Sure. So I think that this goes back to the idea of having a story about how things are or how things should be or how mm -hmm. you have to be to be successful. And I think that we, like you said, we have a story about what success looks like. We have a story about what it takes to get noticed. We have a story about people who stand out, messages that stand out, ideas that kind of catch the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And the, that story tends to be a story about being loud. <laughs> it's about saying whatever it takes to get noticed in the moment. It's about um, carrying yourself in a way that largely feels, you know, it, it, it feels powerful for an instant, but not mm -hmm. powerful for the long term. Right. And what I see with most of the small business owners that we interact with on a daily basis is that they're extremely turned off by that. So whether that story is showing up in politics or it's showing up in the world of celebrity or it's showing up in the world of business, they want nothing to do with it. And so then they start to write a new story for themselves that ends up being, well, I'm not going to be powerful. I'm not going to be influential because I'm not like that and I'm not willing to do that. And they almost right. use it as a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And so we're quiet power strategy came from was inviting them to write essentially a third story. When we tap into our skills, our natural strengths, our talents, our natural way of communicating, which is a really important piece of mm -hmm. this, then we can redefine what power looks like so that what power looks like 
are those people who sometimes quietly or sometimes with, a, you know, a little bit more volume, if you will, <laughs> um, but, but people who are really tapped into their values, into their communication style, into what matters to them, we start to see their stories as the powerful ones. And Ooh. this isn't like this, is, I'm not making stuff up here, right? Like there, we right. can think of the people throughout history, throughout politics, throughout celebrity, throughout business, who do have that kind of power that is rooted in something deeper, that's rooted in something mm. truer. And we don't necessarily think about those people all the time because they're not always in the news because they're not right. always saying something new, but they are always saying something true and influential and powerful underneath the current of whatever, you know, the 24 seven news cycle wants to cover. And so like in business, I think of someone like Howard Schultz, founder of Starbucks, right? I think he's still president. He's no longer CEO. I think that yeah, that's, that's the, right. the high likelihood he decides to run for president here. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, high yeah. likelihood. Anyhow, he's someone I think of as having that kind of quiet power. So yes, he is a, a little bit of the celebrity entrepreneur, but not in the same way as like a Mark Zuckerberg or right. even a Bill Gates. Um, mm -hmm. Although Bill Gates, I think, has a lot of uh, quiet power as well. Howard Schultz has principles, right? And he mm -hmm. has built his business around those principles. And when that business has gone off the rails, it's because it's gotten detached from his principles and the operationalization of those principles. Right. That's why he ends up being this kind of constantly powerful, constantly influential source, even when he's not on the top of the news cycle. Mm. Um, and so he, I think he's a really great person to kind of look at and say, Here's someone who embodies what power is in a way that is true and accessible to anyone. And so mm. kind of going along with this, and this is a little bit of a ta tangent, but I think it's important, especially okay. for your audience, um, is that I ask people to think about what does powerful, influential, and wealthy look like to them? And mm. often the image that they come up with is something that looks differently than they do. Largely, it is right. an older white man who has been in power his whole life, whose parents were in power. And I start to invite them to recondition themselves to think of someone who is powerful, influential, and wealthy as someone that looks like them, has the same values they have, has the same principles that they have, and start to become that person. So even if someone on the outside wouldn't necessarily look at them and say they're powerful, they're influential, they're wealthy, yet they start to become that person. So it kind of goes back to, you know, thinking through how I set goals. Yeah. And identify who you want to become, not just in terms of the specifics and the things that you want to accomplish, but really defining that person that you want to become as the kind of person who is powerful, influential, and wealthy mm. you into what makes you more powerful. And like I said, just to come full circle, those things are going to be your natural strengths, your natural yeah. talents, your skills, and your communication style. I absolutely love that. And coming out of that, you've obviously done this with a, with a number of entrepreneurs. What kind of... Uh, um, what kind of transformations have you seen in kind of thinking and kind of who people have become? Yeah, so a few things. One, their communication style typically tends to change fastest and change the most. So that becomes one of the most outward signs. And what I love about that is because is, is that business is communication, right? If yes. you're not communicating effectively, you're not doing
doing well in business. Right. And I I know that when my business isn't doing well, it's probably because I'm not communicating effectively. Mm. Um, And so that being one of the first transformations of that process has been really, really cool to see. So like we'll have, when we used to take clients through this process, what they would identify early on is topics that really lit lit them up or Mm -hmm. ways of talking about what they did that really got their blood pumping. And so they would start to incorporate those topics, those ways of speaking into more of their podcast episodes, their videos, their blog posts, you know, just even the way they show up on Facebook. Um, And the way they showed up, the way they made themselves visible, that would start to change. And that immediately creates real financial results in your business. So that's one thing. Um, I think another result um, that we see pretty early on is people change the way they set goals. So when you don't really, when you don't believe that you have the capacity to become powerful, influential, wealthy, to be that, that image of, of someone who is ultimately successful, you set goals that reflect that, right? right? So you don't think long and hard about the vision that you have for your business. You just try and get by. And mm. so what, what tends to happen is that instead of setting goals where for just getting by, they start setting goals based on the thing that they want to ultimately create, the vision that they have for their business. Right. They start to have a vision for their business. And then that changes their behavior on a day-to-day basis. They start behaving as a new person that's more in tune with their original principles and right, right, right. values and communication style. And so then that starts to pay dividends very, very quickly as well. So I think those are probably the two biggest types of transformation mm. uh, that we've seen. Those are things that anyone can tap into once you start to change that story about what it takes to be powerful, what it takes to be influential. So when you start rewriting that story, then you can start behaving differently. You can start setting different goals. You can start communicating differently, um, but in a way that ultimately is tied to what you believe most, what lights you up the most, um, and what you want to bring into this world. And that's pretty incredible, I think. Absolutely. I mean, that right there is, that's the heart of what we would call the maverick journey. That's, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's kind of come to the, I mean, the manifestation is the podcast, but what I love here is there's so much practical stuff that you you have going on. So what led you to kind of do the, the What Works podcast? And I'm kind of curious to know what you're seeing kind of works? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the What Works podcast kind of came out of a hole I saw in the podcasting fear, the podcasting market, Mm -hmm. um, which is that there's a ton of podcasts with experts. There's a ton of advice podcasts. And I love those podcasts. I love going on them. I love listening to them. There was a lot of that. And what there wasn't was just people talking about how their businesses actually rant, like what they do on a day-to-day basis, how their marketing and sales funnels work, uh, how they manage their teams, what their teams look like. Um, and so what happened, what was, what I could see happening because I was hearing this from our members, from our clients is that people had really skewed ideas of what these businesses 
how they actually ran, what they actually looked like, right? And so we were seeing people who were looking at, you know, maybe top-notch small business experts and ex- and thinking like, oh, well, those people make a few million dollars a year and it's like, it's just them. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> people, they have these, you know, really well thought out standard operating procedures. Yeah. And they're like, well, but nobody talks about that. You know, how, how do we even, there's no online course for that. I'm like, I know that's because these are the things we talk about behind the scenes. Isn't really super marketable. We can't sell it as an online course or a few, few people can it doesn't get out in the open. I was like, well, clearly I'm going to take these conversations and bring them out into the Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned that I speak largely from my personal experience and the lessons that I have learned along the way. And that's totally true. And also I speak from a lot of personal lessons that I have witnessed other people. <laughs> right, right, right. Because Best I've, type of learning. Exactly. So I, because I've had this great window for 10 years on the insides of other people's businesses, I've gotten to learn an awful lot about a lot of different types of businesses, a lot of different types of models, a lot of different types of teams. And what I wanted to be able to do was take my experience with that and how much that has helped me grow into the business owner that I am now and make it equally accessible to anybody else. So, you know, if you've got a way to listen to a podcast, you've got a way to kind of see inside what I see when I'm talking to small business owners. That's the heart of the podcast. It also really reflects sort of an operating principle that we have inside of co-commercial, which is that inside of our community, we try to stay away from people giving each other advice. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, there is way too much unsolicited advice. Absolutely on, right. Right? Like we, I think we can all agree on <laughs> absolutely right you post a parenting frustration you post a business frustration and suddenly 15 people have advice for what you should do absolutely and most of it is very well-meaning some of it is not but most of it's very well-meaning <laughs> it still sucks because what tends to happen when we hear advice is we have kind of fight or flight response to that either especially with mavericks they no. don't want to hear this is what you should do but they love information they love data right they want Absolutely. to be able to make their own decisions so what we do is recast experience as information so Ooh. when you ask a question you ask for someone's experience how did you solve this problem what worked for you what didn't work for you what have you observed and so we do the exact same thing on the podcast. I literally tell every single guest before we hit record, this is not an advice podcast. Please don't try to give advice. Please don't feel like you need to give advice. I'm going to ask you questions about your business and you just speak from your own experience. And people are like, okay. And the result- yeah. And then the result of that is that we've got 154 episodes now of people just speaking from their experience. If you want to find an illustrator and their experience of how their business works, if you want to find a web designer and their experience of how their business works, an online course creator, a life coach, a whatever, it's in there. And all you need to do is go through there, uh, listen to a few episodes, and you will have more working knowledge of how other people's businesses work than you ever had before. And Mm. that's going to inform then the decisions that you make for your own business. So you can actually do it the way that it works for you and not the way someone told you, you should do it. Brilliant. That's one of the the techniques we use in coaching. We call it empathic insight. It's quite literally, how can you make that work for you? It's it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So 
if I was to say, if I was to ask you then, Tara, if we were kind of doing what works here instead of the Mavericks thing, if I was to ask you your experience of the three things you've noticed that really work for co-commercial in terms of how you mm-hmm. run your business, what would you say? First and foremost, I would say culture making. So our goal is to create a space where the the culture of the people in it, the culture of the space itself, the environment that people gather in is what drives conversation. It's what drives the way people feel when they're there. It's what drives their adherence to the way we want things to be, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think we all have an experience of Facebook groups or forums where there's a lot of like, there's a lot of drama or there's uh, a lot of drama, yes. right? that just makes it kind of icky. Well, we don't want that stuff and we don't have that stuff because what really works for us is clearly defining that culture and just regularly coaching people on that culture as well. And so, um, which kind of leads me to point number two, which mm-hmm. is focusing on people. So we focus on people, not just from um, a community member standpoint, of course, mm-hmm. we're focused on those people, but also from a team standpoint. I invest really heavily in having a team of people who are actively engaged in our community. Mm. in there. I wouldn't call them, you know, they're not enforcers. They're not enforcing our culture. They're coaching people around it. They're engaging in conversations so that people see the the kind of behavior we want, the kind of behavior they want Mm. modeled so that they feel safer. They feel more aligned with the community. They feel more belonging in the community. So culture, people, the third thing is transparency. Mm. We can't hardly expect our members to come and share what's not working for them, what challenges they face, what lessons they've learned that they want to share with the rest of the community if we don't do the same thing. And so we really strive for as much transparency as possible. If you want to see one of our standard operating procedures, all you have to do is ask. Here you go. No problem. Copy, paste, boom. Here's the link to our Asana project, boom. Um, If you want to know like why we priced something the way we priced it, here's my explanation. Love that you asked that. Thank you very much for giving me a platform to talk about it, right? And we volunteer the information too, right? Mm, We're not just waiting mm. for people to ask. We're constantly volunteering information. And at the same time, remembering to follow our own guidelines. So we're not in there giving advice. We're in there sharing our experience. Mm. Transparency kind of reminds us of that too. If we were kind of trying to couch everything under the guise of content, this is information we are teaching, it would be advice. And that's not what we do. It's not that that's bad. It's not the content, that information, right. that it's not that that's bad, but that's not what we do. And so we follow our own cultural guidelines. Um, mm. And we do that through this practice of transparency. So yeah, I could go on and on about things that work inside of co-commercial, but I think those are the three big ones, culture, people, and transparency. Wicked. Um, I'd like to turn the, the focus, if I can, just a moment onto you personally and how you sure. work. So uh, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, people are always curious to know what people do to get productive or that kind of thing. So let's let's talk about productivity for a second. What does productivity mean to you and how do you you work? Oh, so I am no productivity guru. That's for sure. Um, That said, I'm a very productive person. And I think that those two things are not unrelated. Um, I don't have a lot of time hacks. I don't do a lot of kind of time management kinds of things. What I do is give myself a lot of flexibility to 
get the important work done. Mm. Um, and so that means that most days I don't take any calls until after 10. This was an exception for me today. It actually worked out perfectly. Um, awesome. but <laughs> Thank you. I'm ready. No problem, of course. But um, yeah, so no calls before 10. Um, I only take calls on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So some time blocking there. I suppose that's a time management hack, but some time blocking. What that does is leave a lot of my schedule really open-ended. And mm. so some days, sure, I'm working like an eight to five kind of schedule. And sometimes I'm, uh, you know, just kind of banging stuff out on my to-do list throughout those days. But most of the time that kind of open-ended space is more there for me to identify what's important that day or that week mm -hmm. and tackle that in a much bigger way. And I think that that allows me to produce a lot more than I could if I was trying to impose structure mm -hmm. or impose a particular task list on me on a regular basis. I mean, I do have some structure within that. I know that I'm more creatively productive in the mornings. I'm more able to bang through a to-do list in the afternoons. That doesn't always happen, um, but that tends to be how I sort of think about structuring my days. Um, there are plenty of days where I am not working until five. I might bang off at two or three. Mm -hmm. um, or I might get started a little bit later, you know, for the same kinds of reasons. In the last two years, something that's been very, very important to my productivity is my fitness practice. Mm. So in the morning, around seven o'clock, I go for a run, I do a strength training workout, I do some yoga, stretching, whatever it might be, um, depending on where I am in my, in my training cycle. But working out for a good hour, sometimes an hour and a half, has been mm. a really important important piece, getting everything kind of in tuned, mm -hmm. um, in tuned so that, you know, I'm not in my head over here and my body's feeling one way, you know, at the end of my workout, I feel completely aligned, you know, body and mind. That's, that's been a really, really important piece of my productivity as well. Um, and I tend to kind of bookend that at the end of the day as well. So maybe that means a walk or a climbing session, or again, just some stretching, but that gives me, it gives me a way to kind of reorient at the end of the day as well. And that helps me sleep better, which raises my energy level mm. during the next day. And so for me, I'm really looking at time and productivity as just this constant cycle that as long as I am feeding it the way it needs to be fed, as long mm. as I'm engaging with it the way it needs to be engaged with, it's going to just keep working. And that's ultimately what I want. I don't want the big ups and the big downs, which has plagued me most of my life. Mm -hmm. This pattern that I've set into over the last two years has kept me, I think, more even keel than I probably ever have been in my life. And I think right. that it's resulted in some really high quality work. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what I hear there is uh, kind of an energy management thing, yeah. as it were. Exactly. Uh, which, which is incredible. One of the things you said uh, in, in that was a couple of times you said it helps you, you know, decide what's important. That prioritize, I, I mean, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, for a lot of mavericks, the thing that gets in the way is a lack of clarity, as it were, maybe a lack of clarity as to what's important, what's the priority. How do you determine what's important on any given day or week or month? Yeah. So I don't have, I, I wish that I could say, well, I have this goal setting process that I work through on a <laughs> quarterly, monthly, and weekly basis. I do not. I do in my head, um, and it probably should be on paper, and it probably should be a little bit more rigid. Uh, whatever, whatever. Whatever, but um, I, I do work sort of a system of quarterly, monthly, and weekly goals um, so that I know, like I've mentioned my 10,000 goal 
a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. That's more of like a two to five year goal. So that's that's way further out. Then I'm looking at where do I want to be at the end of this year? Where do I want to be six to 12 months out? That's right. something that's always in my head. I'm looking at what are my um, kind of operational and financial priorities for just the next three months? Where do I need to be for that? What kinds of things need to be created? What things need to be managed? What do I, mm-hmm. What kind of work needs to be done to get there? And then on a weekly basis, um, I meet with our, uh, her actual title is community advocate, but she's essentially our community and operations manager. She mm-hmm. kind of handles everything product wise and makes sure everything works. And, and for our product, that's a lot of moving pieces. It's yeah. content, it's people. Um, and so she really works between my big picture think- thinking and the kind of nitty gritty details that need mm-hmm. to get done on a daily basis. And so I meet with her on a weekly basis to review where we're at, what's going on. I answer all her questions then about like, you know, how things should be operationalized. Um, and that kind of reset, we meet on Friday mornings and that kind of sets me up for knowing what the priority is for the next mm-hmm. week. And then yeah. her and I are on the same page. doesn't mean we're doing the same things. We're doing no. completely different things. <laughs> we might even be working toward different goals. Um, in fact, I'd say often we're working toward different goals, but we're on the same page. She knows what I'm prioritizing. I know what she's prioritizing. And we know how those things lead us back to ultimately where we want to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what really helps me set the stage. Um, and then during the week, I tend to work from kind of a rolling to-do list. Mm-hmm. So I've just got a sheet of paper where I jot down anything that comes to mind. It's like, oh yeah, I need to do that. Oh yeah, I need to do that. I check in with our Asana uh, that we use for project management, make sure I haven't missed anything, although normally I have. And then, <laughs> um, and then you know, I start checking things off, not necessarily in any order. I kind of see where am I? Where, what headspace am I mm-hmm. in? What is the best thing for me to be working on in this moment? And then by the end of the week, I've got all that stuff checked off and we're on to the next set of priorities. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. And what I, what I love about that is um, it's really real, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's real, all right. So um, just on another on a, another focus of you, I mean, you, you sound like a pretty energized, energetic person, pretty, pretty motivated. <laughs> Motivated, but I guess we all have those those days, don't we? When it's kind of like, oh, you know. And you've already mentioned your fitness practice and all that. I'm kind of curious. Where do you go for inspiration? So I don't know if that's kind of, you know, whether that's movies or music or, you know, heroes or where do you find inspiration on those days when it's just like, oh, does it? Yeah. A few different places. So um, I'm lucky that I've run this community of people that really inspire me, right? So, uh, and yeah, since literally the time we first got a computer that was hooked up to the internet. So like 1992, um, one of my favorite things to do is just hang out on the internet and talk to people. Like I've been in internet forums since way back, right? (laughs) Okay, love it. Um, And so the idea that I get paid to run um, a place where I can talk to smart people on the internet is like kind of mind blowing to me. And so often when I'm feeling a little disconnected, I'm feeling a little unmotivated, the first place I go is either into my own community 
or someplace similar, right? Because I belong to those same kinds of groups elsewhere because I need someplace where I'm not the one in charge. Right. And I just, I want access to as many people as possible, which sounds like a ridiculous thing for an introvert to say. Um, (laughs) And I am a hardcore introvert, by the way, but I also think of myself as a digital extrovert. So I tend to get really energized when I'm connecting digitally with people. Mm -hmm. Um, It plays into a lot of my introvert strengths, but it gives me the inspiration I need to create content, to rethink goals, to rethink plans. So that's one place I I go to recharge. Another place is that if I'm like, if I'm in the middle of the day and I'm just not feeling it, Mm -hmm. I'll go take a walk and I'll put a business podcast on, or I'll put even just like a cultural political podcast on. But I love just the, I love hearing people discuss ideas, talking about their, you know, their approach, talking about their perspective, giving advice. Um, That really, tends to light me up as well. And when I combine it with a, a practice of movement, it tends to really get things started again. So mm. most of the time I will take a walk, put on a podcast. Someone will say something interesting on the podcast. I'll pull out my Evernote and I'll start jotting things down and will not have actually listened to the second half or the right, 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 right. of the podcast. So that's another way I get things moving again. And then sometimes I just stop and I don't work mm. anymore and I wait till the next day because sometimes it is not worth trying to get things going again. If there's not something that's pressing and gosh, most of the time, guys, there's not, right? There's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. What we think is urgent is generally not as urgent as we think it is. Right, um, right. And so sometimes, you know, especially if it's, you know, I've got my morning in, it's one, I'm not feeling it. I'll stop. And I don't do that quite as often now that I have a team that is working at the same time as me because, you know, they're relying on me for stuff. But, you know, most of the time when I'm out hiking in the woods, my Slack still bings my watch, right? I'm like, I'm not going that far afield. Um, So if they need me, they know where to find me. Not a big deal. Um, and I, sometimes I just need that time to be the leader, the manager, the CEO that they need me to be, that our mm-hmm. community need me to be. And so that's another way that I get re, I wouldn't, recharged, realigned might be yeah. another way to put it. Um, and so that's been really important for me over the years too. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Tara, I'm going to bring us to a, to a close there because I just think, um, you know, you're clear, you know, I said earlier for us, a maverick is someone who's true hearted, using their superpowers, living, you know, life on their terms. And I think it's clear from our interview that you are very much a maverick in our definition of that, which I love. Thank you so much for your wisdom and everything else today. People want to find out more about you and your business. Where can they find, find you on the internet? Yeah, so two places. Definitely go to cocommercial.co. I have writing there. uh, The podcast is there. And of course, all the information about what co-commercial is and how you can uh, join us, if that's a good fit for you, is on there. Um, And then the other place is the podcast. So wherever you listen to this podcast, you can find uh, the What Works podcast as well. So whether it's Stitcher or Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, we'd we'd love for you to take a listen um, and tap into what's been three years of wisdom of small business owners. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, Tara, for your time today and for your wisdom and for just being a great podcast guest. Well, and thank you for the incredible questions. This was Mavericks Radio and thank you so much to Tara McMullen for being my guest today and for sharing so much practical and actionable wisdom about entrepreneurship. 
Keep listening for our next episode, subscribe and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find us. And with that, see you next time and bye for now.